Hello and welcome to the Stung History of Today. I'm Tess. And I'm Steph. And this is a podcast where we look at something that happened in history on this day. And it could be literally anything. We're not fussy. We'll talk about anything. Just saying. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) So let's just get into it. On this day, 4th of June, 1913, 108 years ago, Emily Davison performed a fatal suffragette protest at the Epsom Derby. Such a tease, do you know about this piece? I feel like a lot of people should know yeah. about this piece. Yeah, I think if you don't know about it already, then <laughs> where's your history books? Like, why are you not Literally. reading this part? Like, it's if you've seen the film Suffragette with Kerry Mulligan, yeah. Meryl Streep, this appears in that film. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of stuff on YouTube about her. Like, I think Vox did a video about it and, you know... Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. So I don't think it's news, but it's really interesting. And also, I want to focus more on Emily Davison in this piece because a lot of the time it's focusing on the the suffragette movement in general, which I will talk about briefly. Mm -hmm. But then they kind of gleam over who this woman was and talk more about, like, you know, the fact that everyone freaked out that it happened. Mm -hmm. So, firstly, history lesson. What is a suffragette? (laughs) (laughs) Just in case people, like... Who? Suffragette? So a suffragette was a member of an activist women's organisation in the early 20th century who, under the banner Votes for Women, fought for the right to vote in public elections. The term refers in particular to members of the British Women's Social and Political Union, which goes by the WSPU, which is what I'm going to call it from now on, Mm -hmm. just a heads up, (laughs) a woman-only movement founded in 1903, which engaged in a direct action in civil disobedience. Mm -hmm. They were protesters. So in 1906, a reporter writing the Daily Mail coined the term suffragette for the WSPU from suffragist, which is supposed to be like a, you guys, a etch. (laughs) The idea was supposed to belittle them and basically make them feel terrible about themselves and make fun of them about oh you're whining because you want to vote oh you're such babies grow up (laughs) oh my god i feel i feel so angry already we're about to get into it i know right i'm sorry oh god (laughs) hold it in hold it in let's positive vibes instead i'll wait for you to keep spewing information (laughs) and i'll be like men But the militants embraced this term, Mm -hmm. even adopting it to use it as the title of the newspaper that they published under the WSPU, and we know them now as suffragettes. So they were like, okay, fine. (laughs) You thought you were going to hurt us? We're just going to be so nice and embrace it. And be like, yeah, okay, cool. Give us the vote anyway. (laughs) That's the thing that women have been doing throughout time anyway. Like, you you call us a name and it's just like, okay, whatever. It's like, like, okay, I'll turn it into a positive then. New Zealand was the first self-governing country to grant all women the right to vote in 1893, when women over the age of 21 were permitted to vote in all parliamentary elections. Go New Zealand! Honestly, so we like, stand. ahead of ahead of the curve, I guess you can say, because, I mean, even in today's standard, they did so much better with the pandemic than anywhere else. So, well done, New Zealand, just in history. Great leadership. <laughs> Great. Such a nice piece. Uh, women in South Australia received the same right and became the first to obtain the right to stand for Parliament in 1895. Mm. And in the US, white women over the age of 21 were allowed to vote in the Western Territories of Wyoming from 1869 and in Utah from 1870. So all of this happening in the world and women in the UK in 1903, which in some cases is like 10 years later, women in the UK being like, um, excuse me? Hello? They were like, what is going on here? So 
that was kind of why the WSP was founded and they uh, were founded with the motto deeds not words okay so they were like we're not gonna talk to you anymore we're just gonna start doing stuff to get your attention so that you can be like such women should vote i mean yeah of course throughout history men just don't listen to us anyway <laughs> two, two, two. Oh, i feel in all the tea this, this episode <laughs> this angry this like female energy <laughs> So what deeds did they do? Well, suffragettes heckled politicians. They tried to storm parliament. They were attacked and sexually assaulted during battles with the police. But they were chained themselves to railings, smashed windows, carried out nationwide bombing and arson campaigns, and faced anger and ridicule in the media. When imprisoned, they went on hunger strike, to which the government responded by force-feeding them. Mm -hmm. And the WSPU campaign had varying levels of support from within the suffragette movement, Breakaway groups formed, but within the actual WSPU itself, not all members supported the tactic and disagreed with some of the extreme forms of protest being used. Because near the end there, did get a bit violent, did get a bit extreme, like arson attacks and like throwing stones at people. <laughs> Bombing is kind of a bad thing. Too. Yeah, so like some people were like, oh... Oh, we want the vote. We don't want bombings, though. So, a bit intense. Yeah. So, that's the general gist of suffragette movement. Mm -hmm. I think if you want to read more about it, go and read more. Go and watch some stuff on YouTube. There's so much educational stuff on there. Also, mm -hmm. the film Suffragette. I know it's, like, dramatised, but it's interesting. Mm -hmm. It actually shows some real stories and real people. Yeah, drama's got to come from somewhere, right? It's an abyss. But before I move on to who Emily Davison was, I just want to quickly say... That I don't know how recently you've listened slash watched Mary Poppins. Which but one? The, the, which one? I'm sorry. There's the like... original. Okay. <laughs> sorry. What else would I be talking about? <laughs> and Mary Poppins to me, the only thing is the OG of Julie Andrews. So nice. I, mean, I have to make sure there are some people out there who actually like the new one more than they like the old one, which those people are wrong, but whatever. Uh, so Who are these people? <laughs> those are people that I'm not friends with. So. Tea, but I listened to the soundtrack for the first time in a very long time, like a few weeks ago, just mm -hmm. on in the background, and totally missed the fact that the mum was a suffragette. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she sings a song about it. Yeah, she does the whole thing. Yeah, well, she, what was it called again? Sister Suffragette? Yeah. yeah. And like, I was listening to the words, and I started, Loki started tearing up when she was like, there's a line that's like, our daughters, daughters our will adore, adore us. us. And, and I was like, sing in grateful chorus. Oh, I was like nearly tearing up. I was like, such day. <laughs> but also didn't realize because I guess the first time, like I saw Mary Poppins for the first time, like maybe when I was four years old, like yeah. I was so, so young. And I was that kid, like if I didn't understand something, especially in movies, I wouldn't ask. I would just sit through and be like, cool. And not fully <laughs> understand what's going on. So not knowing what a suffragette was, never asked. I was like, oh, she's wearing a sash. That's nice. Mm -hmm. I'm like, <laughs> I don't even realize she was like a suffragette until like not even that long ago. Doesn't it say suffragette on her sash or something I don't else? know. I don't, I can't remember. I think it does, but like I was four, I couldn't read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what a suffragette was. And I guess when I rewatched it, I just wasn't paying attention because mm -hmm. that is a bit of a weird song in the movie. Yeah. It's like not even two minutes long and the house starts shaking or something. Yeah, yeah. So I was more focused on the fact the house was shaking <laughs> than the fact that she was a suffragette. <laughs> Wasn't it the same time the nanny was trying to quit as well? Yeah, she yeah. was chasing her around the, the house so. or something and she was like... She's, like, trying to say that she's quitting. And then she's like, sister suffragette. And she's like, I'm off to be a protester. <laughs> <laughs> With her sash. Oh, bless her. But, like, oh, I just, 
10 or 10 didn't realise until so recently and I felt really silly that I never realised. You were four. I mean, what were you going to do? I know, but I have rewatched it so many times over the years. And I guess it was just like to the point that I've seen it so many times. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, but I never paid attention. Yeah. But I also love there's amazing rhymes in that song. Oh, I just love Mary Poppins so much. There was the one where there's a they rhymed um, petticoats with women's votes. Oh. And I was like... <laughs> That's brilliant. That's amazing. <laughs> anyway, let's stop talking about Poppins. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to mention it because I feel like I crazy that the mum was a suffragette. And also because... Okay, one more thing, then I'll move on. <laughs> the fact it was, like, written, released in, like, 50s, 60s. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, like, we'll find out later that women's... Women, like, in 21 and over, I think, didn't get the vote until 1928. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, like these people who were in this movie or like you know the the guys who wrote the music and everything their mum or their grandma most likely didn't have the right to vote mm-hmm. and they've put it in this movie yeah. I don't know it just gets to me <laughs> I think it's just really well thought out in that particular case like also it does help with the timeline as well because you can put on their, that kind of costume and be like oh such 1910 I guess like <laughs> 20 I don't know but no I did like the fact that they did that with the mum I think that I don't know, I would have liked a tiny bit more, maybe if Mary Poppins had you know, said something about it, it'd be so nice, Mary Poppins, but, uh, you know, she's busy trying to handle two children and she's dick trying Van Dyke. to be a nanny, guys. <laughs> she's running around after cartoon foxes in paintings and shit, so. And penguins serving her drinks. Oh my god, yeah. I love that movie so much. Okay. <laughs> Until it's gonna watch it later. Oh, we're 10 out of 10 watching it after this. <laughs> no, so let's move on, so... Uh, who is Emily Davison? Let's learn a little bit about Emily. She was an English suffragette, as we know. She's a member of the WSPU and a militant fighter for her cause. She was arrested on nine occasions and went on hunger strike seven times and was force-fed 49 times. Mm. So, before we get into the nitty-gritty of her time in the WSPU, she was born on the 11th of October, 1872, in Greenwich. Oh my god. Right down the road. <laughs> Close. Oh, we're like neighbors. Oh, uh, so Emily was the third of four children to Charles and Margaret Davison, and she was a very intelligent woman, which I think is important to point out because back in the day when all this stuff was happening, they were like crazy women. You know, they basically were saying we're stupid and like we're just airheads. But this woman was very smart. Mm-hmm. So when she was thirteen, she attended. Kensington High School and later won a scholarship to Royal Holloway College in 1891 to study literature. Mm-hmm. Her father died in early 1893, so she was forced to end her studies because they could no longer afford the fee of £20 a term. How much is that in today's terms? I would probably... I mean, it would probably be near 1000 right? Probably. Surely. 2000 maybe? I mean, I'm not a... I don't know. I'm not a ca- calculator in that sense, I'm unfortunately. I'm not big on finance. <laughs> But it's enough for them to be like, we can't afford this. So on leaving Holloway, Davison became a living governess and continued studying in the evenings. She saved enough money to enroll at St. Hugh's College, Oxford. Mm. So for one term, she went there to sit her finals and she achieved first class honours in English. But she could not graduate because degrees from Oxford were closed to women. So she did all these studies, paid all these fees, went off, been so smart. And then Oxford were like, oh, you as a woman... Sorry, you can't, you can't. Well, can't that's just rude. <laughs> we can't give you this piece, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, um, surely she knew that. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, having well, maybe that degree was Well, maybe there was the so hope important. of, like, I'll pay, I'll study, they'll see, I'm amazing, and mm-hmm. they'll be like, okay, <laughs> here's, your, here's your so nice decision graduate. 
Oh my god, that's really depressing. Right. Like, spending all that time, money, and effort to just go oh my god yes first class well done um we're not gonna give you the the rolled up paper though so sorry like okay wow give me my money back then jeez so bless she worked at a private school in worthing then became a private tutor and governess to a family in northamptonshire and in 1902 she began reading for a degree at the university of london and she graduated with third class honors in 1908 Okay. So she's a very she's a high achiever. She's smart. She ain't no dumb lady wandering around causing trouble. <laughs> you know, I think it's important to point out like these are educated women who want rights. Mm. Do you know what's really funny? Yeah. Like back then, it's like you said. Like they would think of us. You know, intelligent, educated, well-read women. They'd be like, "Oh no, you're just being silly with your ideas. All that education you shouldn't have gotten." And if you go even further back, it's literally just the simple term of they're witches. Yeah. And I just think that's just, ugh, it's so, it's ridiculous. If a woman does anything, we're a witch or we're just crazy. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no like, oh, she's making good, a good point. Oh, maybe we should listen to her. It's like, no, crazy witch, not doing it today. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> this reminded me of another line from that suffragette song from Mary Poppins. Oh, no. <laughs> the she was like... We adore men individually, but as a whole, they're rather stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I just love that movie so much. Okay, that's enough. Okay, okay. We're done with Mary Poppins. We're done. I'm, I'm sorry. Officially, no more Mary Poppins. We don't I work promise. for Disney, guys. <sighs> no, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, yeah, sorry. Such sadness. <laughs> um, continuing. So Davison joined the WSPU in November of 1906 and became an officer of the organization and a chief steward during marches. So she really got in there. And in 1908 or 1909, not quite sure, she left her job teaching and dedicated herself full-time to the union. Uh, She began taking increasingly confrontational actions, which prompted Sylvia Pankhurst, who is the daughter of the founder, Mm -hmm. to describe her as one of the most daring and reckless of the militants. She really went in there. Mm. So in March 1909, she was arrested for the first time. She had been part of a commission of 21 women who marched from Caxton Hall to see the Prime Minister. And the march ended in a scuffle with police and she was arrested for assaulting the police in the execution of their duty. Mm. (laughs) She was sentenced to a month in prison. And after her release, she wrote two votes for women, the WSPU's newspaper, saying that, in quotes... Through my humble work in this noblest of all causes, I have come into a fullness of job and an interest in living which I have never before experienced. So she kind of realized, like, this is nice. <laughs> I enjoy this. I think she it kind of lit a spark in her and she's yeah. like, yeah, I'm going to do anything because it's something she was really passionate about. Good. I hope everyone remembers her. that they can do anything. So you don't have to take inspiration from Amelia. Plus, Amelia Earhart. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wrong em- person. Emily, Emily. Emily. <laughs> Emily Davidson. But, mm. yes. Remember, y'all, you could do anything you want without hurting people. Just saying. Oh, my God. Steph. <laughs> Such a TED talk. You're queen. <laughs> oh, Believe in yourself. I'm just being nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, in July 1909, Davidson was arrested for interrupting a public meeting from which women were barred. That was held by David Lloyd George. That name will pop up again, so remember that, Lloyd George. She was sentenced to two months for obstruction. She went on hunger strike and was released after five and a half days, during which time she lost 21 pounds, which is about nine and a half kilos. Bloody hell. She stated that she felt very weak as a result, obviously. Didn't 
um, the cat and mouse act come up because of this? Possibly. I know that, um, and we'll talk about it a bit later, but I'll quickly say, like, because they would go on hunger strike, they would have to release them early. So they would never do a full sentence. And mm-hmm. so that's why later on, I think we mentioned earlier even, that they bring in this force feeding thing mm-hmm. where they're like, well, we're going to feed you and you're going to stay here. Mm-hmm. So I think this definitely sparked that change where yeah. the government were like, yeah, force feed them. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was nice either. It wasn't just like, you know, a spoon with some porridge. Yeah, someone wasn't sitting there like with a forcing. spoon in front of your face being like, open wide. <laughs> they actually had a tube that went down your nose into your stomach and mm. it just like... Real force feeding. Release the porridge. <laughs> tea. <laughs> Release the tea. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> so she was arrested again in September, the same year, for throwing stones uh, uh, to break windows at a political meeting. Mm-hmm. The assembly, which was to protest at the 1909 budget, was only open to men. So it was like a meeting where it was like, we have a budget, uh, everyone come, have your, have your say about this budget. and uh, But only men could go. <laughs> So she was sent to Strangeways Prison for two months and she again went on hunger strike and was released after two and a half days. So you can see now she was supposed to be there for two months, didn't eat, they let her go after two and a half days. So you can see like why the force feeding will come in a bit later on because these, it was like a loophole. It was like, if I just don't eat, you'll let me go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, she actually wrote to the Manchester Guardian to justify her actions of throwing those stones. Uh, this is a quote which was meant as a warning to the general public of the personal risk they run in future if they go to cabinet ministers' meetings anywhere. So she was like, you go, I'm going to be there throwing stones. <laughs> she went on to write that this was justified because of the, quote, unconstitutional act of cabinet ministers in addressing, in quotes again, public meetings from which a large section of the public is excluded. Mm-hmm. Like, this is supposed to be open to everyone and only 50% of the population can go. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's not really a public meeting, is no, it? No, it's just... It's like, a men's meeting. It's just men going into a corner just talking and be like, you've you seen those women, they're crazy, crazy witches. <laughs> yeah, so we're going to vote on money, budget, business. Women don't need to be here for that, even <laughs> though, like, it's part of their life. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, anyway, we can... We, we, surprise, surprise. Uh, Davison was arrested again in early October 1909 while preparing to throw a stone at a cabinet minister, she acted in the mistaken belief that the car in which he had travelled in contained Lloyd George from earlier. Mm-hmm. A suffragette colleague threw uh, hers first before the police managed to intervene. So Davison was only charged with attempted assault, but then released. Uh, Davison used her court appearances to give speeches. Excerpts and quotes from these speeches were published in the newspapers. Mm-hmm. So kind of a nice time to be like, okay, now listen to me now, please. <laughs> Big speech about being so nice about women's rights. <laughs> so two weeks later, she threw stones at a minister at a public meeting at Radcliffe, Greater Manchester. She was arrested and sentenced to a week's hard labour. She again went on hunger strike, but the government had authorised the use of force feeding on prisoners. Ah. Uh. Dislike. So the tactic has been described by historians as, and I'm going to read a quote here, extremely painful, psychologically harrowing, and raised the possibility of dying in jail from medical error or official misjudgment. Mm. So if they messed up force-feeding you, you would die. (laughs) Like, they could make a mistake and it would kill you. So even more danger than normal. I mean, you say mistake, but Mm. let's be real, they wouldn't be making mistakes. They'll just be like... Oh no, I put it into the wrong hole. <laughs> they put it into the wrong hole. I don't the know. The mistake they made. Put it into the ear. <laughs> I thought that was her nose. Turns out it was oh, her I'm ear. Sorry. <laughs> Lol, won't do it again. Oh my gosh. 
Davison said that the experience, in quotes, will haunt me with its horror all my life and is almost indescribable. The torture was barbaric. So not pleasant. Uh, following the first episode of Force Feeding and to prevent a repeat of the experience, uh, Davison barricaded herself in her cell using her bed and a stool and refused to allow the prison authorities to enter. They broke one of the window panes to the cell and turned a fire hose on her for 15 minutes while attempting to force the door open. By the time the door was opened, the cell was six inches deep in water. <laughs> she was taken to the prison hospital where she was warmed by hot water bottles. It'll be okay. Here's the hot water bottle. Just don't do it again. <laughs> well, she was force-fed shortly afterwards and released eight days later. Jesus Christ. Uh, Davison's treatment prompted the Labour Party MP, Mr. Cardi, to ask a question in the House of Commons about the assault committed on a woman prisoner in strange ways. So because of this, Davies sued the prison authorities for the use of the hose, and in January 1910, she was awarded 40 shillings in damages. What? Not... I I can't tell you how much that is, but I would say not a whole lot. No, that doesn't seem like a lot. In April 1910, Davison decided to gain entry to the floor of the House of Commons to ask about the vote for women. She entered the Palace of Westminster with other members of the public and made her way into the heating system, where she hid overnight. On a trip from her hiding place to find water, she was arrested by a policeman, but not prosecuted. The same month, she became an employee of the WSPU and began to write for Votes for Women. Mm-hmm. So we're going through. So a bipartisan group of MPs uh, formed a committee in early 1910, and they proposed a bill that would have brought the vote to a million women as long as they owned property. The bill was being discussed, and so the WSPU put in a temporary truce on activity. They're like, mm-hmm. okay, we'll stop protesting, we'll, we'll leave everyone alone, you sort this out for us. Um, but unfortunately, the bill failed in November. So this prompted the WSPU uh, of around like 300 women from this organisation tried to present a petition, but were prevented from doing so by an aggressive police response, and the suffragettes who called the day Black Friday complained of assault which uh, much of it was sexual in nature mm. by the police. Davison was actually not arrested on that day, but 122 people were, and she was incensed by the treatment of the delegation, and the following day she broke several windows in the Crown Office in Parliament. Okay. She was like, I'm going to smash your window. <laughs> <laughs> she, she loves, loves to smash, to smash window. stuff. Yeah. She's like, you got stones, you got windows, girl. <laughs> <laughs> you better look out. Come and smash your windows. <laughs> she was arrested and sentenced to a month in prison, and she went on hunger strike again and was force-fed for eight days before being released. She really went through it. Uh, now, I love this little story. So on the night of the 1911 census, which is the 2nd of April, mm-hmm. Davison hid in a cupboard in St. Mary Undercroft, the chapel of the Palace of Westminster. And this was a plan, apparently, that was done by a lot of the suffragettes. They wanted to not be counted in the census, to mess with the census, mm-hmm. to be like, your figures are wrong because you didn't <laughs> count us. So she remained hidden overnight to avoid being entered, and the attempt was part of the wider action of the suffragettes. Uh, but she was found by a cleaner, Aww. and they were like, oh, she here, we better count her in the census. And she was arrested but not charged. But the unfortunate thing, which is kind of funny, is that not only was she counted uh, at the House of Commons with the other workers who were there, she was also counted by her landlord, landlady, because she just assumed she was home. Oh, my God. <laughs> so even if she would have hidden 
and not have been found. Didn't matter. Her landlady was like, yeah, she's here. <laughs> I counted her in. Bless her. She tried. She tried. Uh, but uh, Davison had continually written letters to the press to put forward the WSPU position in a nonviolent manner. And uh, this is where it kind of turns a bit more like, ooh, this isn't great. <laughs> Okay. Because then Davison developed the new tactic of setting fire to post boxes in wow. December of 1911. So she was arrested for arson on the post box outside Parliament and admitted to setting fire to two others. <laughs> and sentenced to six months this time in Holloway Prison, she did not go on hung- hunger strike at first, but authorities were required that she be force-fed between the 29th of February and the 7th of March 1912 because they considered her health and appetite to be in decline. So they kind of looked at her and they were like, mm, you need to eat more. Am I going to fast feed you? And she's like, but wait, no way. I'm eating. <laughs> but I'm fine. Did you see the bread? She's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit of shady tea there. So in June, she and other suffragette inmates barricaded themselves in their cells and went on hunger strike. The authorities broke down the cell doors and force fed the strikers. Following the force feeding, Davison decided on what she described as a, quote, desperate protest made to put a stop to the hideous torture, which was now our lot, end of quote, and jumped from one of the interior balconies of the prison. So she later wrote, as soon as I got out, I climbed on the railing and threw myself out to the wire netting, a distance of between 20 and 30 feet. The idea in my mind was one big tragedy may save many others. I realised that my best means of carrying out my purpose was the iron staircase. When a good moment came, quite deliberately, I walked upstairs and threw myself from the top, as I meant, onto the iron staircase. If I had been successful, I should undoubtedly have been killed, as it was a clear drop of 30 to 40 feet. But I caught on the edge of the netting. I then threw myself forward on my head with all my might. Oh my god. Got a bit drastic. She was <laughs> a bit drastic. Is that is that what you're gonna say? A bit a drastic. <laughs> My gosh, she's trying to kill herself. I, I understand she's trying to kill herself to prove a point, but it sounds like a really, really painful way to go. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. Especially because like, it did go wrong, and she did hurt herself. Obviously, she cracked two vertebrae and Ugh. badly injured her head. And the thing though, you have to admit is like she felt so strongly about this she was willing to do that mm-hmm. and I honestly don't know if I can think of anything that I feel so strongly about that I would jump off of a height garlic bread hope- oh garlic bread <laughs> <laughs> I do love garlic bread but I'm I you, we talked about this even last time I'm a bit of a warsome bit of a wimp mm-hmm. it's like you want me to jump off something where I may die and if I'm not gonna die I may severely harm myself and mm-hmm. I could be in pain for the rest of my life yeah it's so hard to pinpoint something that I was like, yeah, hands down, I'll do it for that. Yeah. She was like, yep, <laughs> I'm going to do that for women's rights. And I, mean, like, I mean, it's great. Her. Like, good. I'm glad she she did attempt. I mean, I just didn't want her to hurt herself. But, like, if it wasn't for her attempts and her work, obviously we, we wouldn't be doing, you know, anything that we're doing today, ladies, ladies out there. Um, but, yeah, no, so painful. Like, back, my back hurts thinking about it. Yeah, but, I don't really yeah. want to think about the fact that she was like intentionally was like, oh, I'm falling now. I'm going to aim mm. for my head. Yeah. What about cheese? Cheese? Oh, you mean what I would... Oh, <laughs> I do love cheese. But cheesy garlic bread? Oh. <laughs> cheesy garlic bread. I know the way to your heart. <laughs> I do love... I do prefer normal garlic bread over cheesy garlic bread. Yeah. But garlic bread in general. 
So shortly after this incident and her injury, uh, despite having these severe injuries, mm-hmm. uh, she was again force-fed being, and then being released uh, 10 days earlier than planned. She wrote to a newspaper to explain why she, in quotes, attempted to commit suicide. So this is what she said. I did it deliberately and with all my power because I felt that by nothing but the sacrifice of human life would the nation be brought to realise the horrible torture our women face. If I succeeded, I'm sure that forcible feeding could not in all conscience have been resorted to again. So the, for- the, the jump wasn't necessarily about women's rights. It was actually about the suffragettes being force-fed. Mm-hmm. Because um, they weren't being force-fed early on. They mm-hmm. were just being let go. And then the government were like, we're just letting people go because they're not eating. So let's force-feed them so that they can do their whole sentence. And so, yeah, this was to draw attention to the fact that these women were being force-fed. And I'm sure there would have been instances where women had nearly died or did die from it going wrong. Mm-hmm. That's the high risk of it, too. Yeah. Let's move on. This is very upsetting, this whole thing. <laughs> But we'll move on. So as a result of her action, Davison suffered discomfort for the rest of her life. Obviously. Yeah. Severe injuries. Uh, Her arson of post boxes was not authorised by the WSPU leadership. And this, together with her other actions, led to her falling out of favour with the organisation. Oh, no. So she started kind of almost acting on her own. She was going rogue. Yeah. So Davison spent some time on her release being cared for by Minnie Turner in Brighton before going up north to her mother in Northumberland. In November 1912, Davison was arrested for a final time for attacking a Baptist minister with a horsewhip. Oh my god, I'm not even going to ask. So creative. Wow. She had mistaken the man for Lloyd George. Does she know what he looks like? (laughs) Like, this is a serious question. Um, I think men back then, not going to lie, in a certain age would have looked the same. Oh, great. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just walking you through Oxford Street. Lord George. Lord, no, wait, you're Lord George. <laughs> they had a similar look, I feel. Oh, my God. But she was sentenced to 10 days imprisonment and released early following a four-day hunger strike. It was the seventh time she had been on hunger strike and the 49th time she had been force-fed. Mm. She's been through it all. So... Now we know her history and the movement, and we know a little bit about her. On this day, which is the 4th of June, 1913, Emily Davison undertook her final protest at the Epsom Derby. Oh, it's happening, y'all. So the Epsom Derby, for those who don't know, it's a horse race. It's mm-hmm. held in Surrey on the first Saturday of June each year. Horse racing, yay. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big deal, though, especially back then. Like, I will just say before I talk about this incident, you can see the full thing yep. on YouTube uncensored full-on impact it's i wouldn't say it's graphic because it's such old quality yeah but you still see her be hit it's it's quite a hard hit as well it's intense you can like feel the back of your head (laughs) (laughs) but also you can see the crowd there you could see how many people were there this was a big deal even the king and queen were there Mm -hmm. so this is like serious business event (laughs) everyone's watching Mm. davison obtained two flags bearing the suffragette colors of purple white and green from the wspu officers she then traveled by train to epson surrey to attend the derby she positioned herself at tattingham corner the final bend before the home straight at this point in the race with some of the horses having passed her she ducked under the guardrail and ran onto the course She may have held in her hands one of the suffragette flags. It's a bit unclear. Mm -hmm. But she reached up to the reins of Anmer. Anmer. I now realise I don't know how to pronounce that. (laughs) How do you spell it? A-N-M-E-R. Anmer. 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 
Yeah. She she touched the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually was King George V's horse. Oh. So it was the king's horse. And it was written by Herbert Jones. And she was hit by the horse, which had been traveling around 35 miles an hour. 56 kilometers an hour, for reference, if you're, I'm a kilometers person, so <laughs> I hear miles and I'm like, that's nice. <laughs> no idea what that means. Um, but she was hit four seconds after stepping onto the course. So it happened very quickly. She ducked under and literally four seconds later, she's hit by this horse. Mm. Uh, the horse fell um, during the collision and partly rolled over his jockey, who had his foot momentarily caught in the stirrup. Yeah. Davison was knocked to the ground unconscious, and the event was captured on three news cameras. And like I said before, they're on YouTube if you want to go and watch them. Also, if you want to watch, like, I watched the Vox video about this event. They had, like, really fancy restored footage. Like, they must have gone in and digitized it, or, like, you know. It was really high quality anyway. Mm-hmm. So if, you, if you're a bit like me and a bit, you know low-key interested to see what happened (laughs) like because to me i was like i can't picture someone being hit by a horse Mm -hmm. so it was so i i did watch it (laughs) i did see it because i was just intrigued as to like how this all happened i need to picture things i'm a visual person i feel really bad now having watched it and admitting to having watched it but it is there if you want to see it if you're interested i would say though with caution obviously like this woman remastered (laughs) Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Just for context, we were trying to figure out that word for like five minutes. <gasps> remastered so- footage, thank remastered. you. Remastered, sorry. It was re-something. I was like, what is it? And then it hit me and I was like, remastered. remastered. <laughs> yes. No, stunning. Thank you. That's okay. Yes. Vox have the remastered footage and it's the... You can watch it just in general. I think even the British Film Archive have footage of it on their YouTube channel. So like, like I said, if you're interested in watching... It's all there. I have. So don't feel weird if you like, why do I want to go and see this? I've watched it. <laughs> I think most people have. Yeah. yeah. I know that there was some where they cut out just before she gets hit by the horse. Yeah. But you can actually see her being hit by the horse. And, you know, I guess anyway, let's move on before <laughs> I talk about it too much. So bystanders rushed onto the track and attempted to aid Davison and Jones until both were taken to the nearby Epsom Cottage Hospital. She was operated on two days later, but she never regained consciousness. And while in hospital, she received hate mail because everyone is awesome. <laughs> no one is trash. God damn it. You know, poor woman practically dying and you're going to take the time out of your day to be like, I hate you. <laughs> Why did you do that? You ruined my bed. Literally, the main complaint was that she ruined the day for people and that now it will never be the same. She's ruined the day forever because now all we're going to think about is her being hit by a horse. And the, it's like, you know what? Good. Oh, poor Good. you. Oh, did someone ruin the day for you? Oh, poor rich people. Oh, I'm sorry. If you've got any other hobbies to do, like chasing foxes and... Anyways. <laughs> so angry about rich people's stupid hobbies. God. Anywho, she unfortunately passed away on the 8th of June from a fracture at the base of her skull. So... This It was her final protest, uh, and she passed from it a few days afterwards. A bit mm. sad. But, I mean, Loki expected. That was an intense impact, and if you do see it, it's... Yeah. yeah. It's quite intense. <laughs> anyway. Like I said, you can feel it at the back of your head, which I realise now is probably the poor choice of words, considering... Considering that's what happened. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's what you said. Sorry. Let's move on. (laughs) So uh, found in her effects were the two suffragette flags, 
the return stub of her railway ticket to London, her race card, a ticket to a suffragette dance later that day, and a diary of appointments for the following week. Hmm. The King and Queen Mary were present at the race and made inquiries about the health of both Jones and Davison. The King later recorded in his diary that it was, quotes, a most regrettable and scandalous proceeding. Well, <laughs> meanwhile, in the Journal of the Queen, which you would be like, she's a woman, maybe she'll understand. Her quote in her diary was, horrid woman. <laughs> oh my god. You know that her priorities are different from other women, obviously. Oh my god, this is our current Queen's grandmother, correct? Ah, uh, yes. Yes, because this is Queen Victoria's son. Yeah, okay. Yes. So yeah, it's her... It's, it's her grandfather. Yeah. Grandmother. Yeah. Grandparents. <laughs> yes, Queen Elizabeth's grandparents, yes. Such. Uh, so Jones, who is the jockey, suffered a concussion and other injuries. He spent the evening of the 4th of June in London before returning home the following day. He could recall little of the event. I'm sure it would have happened so fast. Mm -hmm. But he says, uh, quote, She seemed to clutch at my horse and I felt it strike her. He recovered uh, sufficiently to race again with the same horse. The horse survived. Good. Um, at Ascot Racecourse two weeks later. And the only reason I mention that the horse survived is that you hear of like when they have any any injury at all, they put them down. Yeah. And so when I when you see that video as well, you think like that horse must have broken something. Yeah. But didn't. Bless him. Good for the horse. He didn't he didn't get hurt. Also that is the king's horse at the end of the day, so maybe you special know. treatment. Yeah, so he's like, you touch my horse, I off with your head. <laughs> my horse lives, you understand. <laughs> you don't put that horse down under any circumstances. <laughs> the inquest into Davison's death took place at Epson on the tenth of June. And Jones was not well enough to attend. The jockey was not well enough to attend. Mm -hmm. Davison's half-brother, Captain Henry Davison, gave evidence about his sister, saying that she was, in quotes, a woman of very strong reasoning uh, and passionately devoted to the women's movement. Uh, the coroner decided that, in the absence of evidence to the contrary, Davison had not committed suicide. The coroner also decided that, although she had waited until she could see the horses, Quotes, from the evidence, it was clear that the woman did not make for His Majesty's horse in particular, end quote. The verdict of the court was that Miss Emily Wilding Davison died of fracture of the base of the skull caused by being accidentally knocked down by a horse through willfully rushing onto the race course on Epsom Downs during the progress of the race for the Derby. Death was due to misadventure. Mm. So, there is a lot of theories about why she did it, obviously. Mm -hmm. Davison's purpose in attending the derby and walking onto the course is unclear. She did not discuss her plans with anyone or leave a note. Several theories have been suggested, including that she intended to just cross the track, believing that all horses had passed. Uh, there was also a theory that she wanted to pull down on the king's horse to get the king's attention, since the king himself was there. Yeah. Uh, there, uh, that, there was another theory that she was trying to attach one of the flags to any horse, or that she intended to throw herself in front of one of the horses was the final theory. I did hear about the flag theory, mm. and at the time it made sense. Now that I'm hearing all this other information, it's hard to say. Only she can say. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like we just don't really know, like a lot with a lot of things. <laughs> mm. Because like when you do see the video, she does reach for the horse. Yeah. So it doesn't look like she wants to be hit by it. Yeah. But at the same time, she was willing to jump off a staircase to prove a point. Mm -hmm. So then you have the part of like, well, maybe she was like, you know what? If I die from doing this, then so be it. Yeah. 
So it's really hard to say. Sorry, I was just going to say the theory about her just crossing the track, but you see her grabbing the horse. I'm just thinking, unless she's like, oh dear, and hands <laughs> Ooh, up. there's a horse here. <laughs> there's a horse on the horse track, who would have thought? <laughs> I, it just doesn't seem that logical. Like, I, she definitely wanted to either get the king's attention, at least in my opinion, mm-hmm. or hang the flag, because what use is it to just cross the track? What are you achieving? Worse. Like, yeah. ideally. If you're a protester and you want to make, you want to make some waves and stuff. You you don't just cross a track and everyone's just like, oh, someone crossed. Didn't see. Don't even know who it was. <laughs> Man, woman, leprechaun. No idea. So see, we're watching the horses. Yeah. <laughs> the historian Elizabeth Crawford considers that in quotes subsequent explanation of Davison's actions have created a tangle of fictions, false deductions, hearsay, conjecture, misrepresentation, and theory. Basically saying like everyone's going to come up with their own piece. Some of it's going to be completely made up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just going to, you know, prove a point for other things. Yeah. So such. But in 2013, a Channel 4 documentary used forensic examiners to digitize the original film from the three cameras present. The film was digitally cleaned and examined. Their examination suggests that Davison intended to throw a suffragette flag around the neck of a horse or attach it to the horse's bridle. It is suggested that Davison's choice of the king's horse was pure happenstance. Not really... She just picked any random horse that was near her, basically, is what they're saying. Mm. As her position on the corner would not have given her the ability to view the oncoming horses. So the WSPU were, at the time, quick to describe her as a martyr, part of a campaign to identify her as such, which is what is talked about the most Mm -hmm. uh, if you hear about this event. The suffragette newspaper marked Davison's death by issuing a copy showing a female angel with raised arms standing in front of the guardrail of a race course. The paper's editorial stated that Davison had has proved that there are in the 20th century people who are willing to lay down their lives for an ideal. Bless her. Mm-hmm. So on the 14th of June 1913, Davison's body was transported from Epson to London. Her coffin was inscribed, Fight on, God will give the victory. 5,000 women formed a procession, followed by hundreds of male supporters. <laughs> we love that took the body between Victoria and King's Cross stations. The procession stopped at St. George's Bloomsbury for a brief service, but the service was led by its vicar and Claude Hinscliffe, uh, members of the Church League for Women's Suffrage. The women marched in ranks wearing the suffragette colours of white and purple, which the Manchester Guardian described as having, quote, something of the deliberate brilliance of a military funeral. 50,000 people lined the route, and you can see footage of this. It's incredible. A lot of people. The event, which was organized by Grace Rowe, is described by Jane Puvis. Oh, no, not... (laughs) What? No confidence in that name. P-U-R-V-I-S. P-U-V-U-I-R-S. You Anyways. just said random letters. I think I did. <laughs> I, think, I think I heard him. I Per, I would say Purvis. Let's say, what's her first name? Grace. June. June. Described by June. Uh, <laughs> she's Davison's biographer. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, she described it as the last of the great suffragette spectacles. And uh, it was. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that a bit later. But her gravestone bears the WSPU slogan, Deeds Not Words, which is pretty much what she did yeah. and how she lived her life and, unfortunately, how she passed. Mm. So, Davison's death marked an end and a turning point for the militant suffragette campaign because 
if we're going to be historical about this, Steph, what happens in 1914? Oh, no. We're talking about the Great War. The First World War Mm. broke out the following year, and on the 10th of August 1914, the government released all women hunger strikers and declared an amnesty. Okay. So uh, Pankhurst, who is the founder of WSPU, suspended operations on the 13th of August as well, and subsequently assisted the government in the recruitment of women for war work. So they realised, like, you know, we're fighting a war right now. (laughs) We have bigger things to worry about. Yeah, we can't really keep protesting right now, and uh, so we're going to actually... They went in and did factory work, Mm -hmm. and they picked up where there were a lack of men. Women turned up to work, so kind of amazing. And in 1918, which is uh, near the end of the war, Parliament passed the Representation of the People Act, 1918, among the changes was the granting of the vote to women over the age of 30 who could pass property qualifications. So the legislation added 8.5 million women to uh, the electoral roll, mm-hmm. which is quite, that's good, you know? They constituted 43% of the electorate. But in 1928 is the year the Representation of the People Act lowered the voting age for women to 21 to put them on equal terms with male voters. Good. It was a start. It was getting somewhere. Yeah, 1928 was like the start of like, you know, 21 now, which is a bit closer to what the men had to do. And we got there eventually. So that was on this day. (laughs) We had the... I think it's also called the last suffragette protest to occur. Because obviously, yeah, then the war broke out and it was like, okay, we have a war to deal with. Let's (laughs) let's be sensible now. But that was, yeah, on this day, there was Emily Davison's protest at the derby wow that was very fascinating very interesting to learn about and it's one of those things that it never gets old to hear about because if it wasn't for their actions we wouldn't be able to be voting today ladies (laughs) so we also have a say in what happens in this country although anyways that's a different story Um, (laughs) (laughs) but if you think about 1928 that is not even a hundred years ago no it wasn't so like you know i don't know it just makes you think like we haven't even had the right to vote in well at least in the uk mm-hmm. not even 100 years we've yeah. had the right to vote which it's i know been 90, 93 years mm. if i'm correct yes 93 yeah. years jeez wow we've uh, you know made, made some made some good changes in that bless i mean yeah we definitely you know women's rights i feel like if we start talking about women's rights this will go on for hours and hours, and we'll go into places where we will just like get angry. <laughs> I don't want to get angry today. The weather is too nice. The weather's so nice. I don't want to be like heated up when it's already warm outside. Like I want to just enjoy my time today Bless. and learn some stuff. We've learned something, mm. but I guess the main thing I take away from it is the fact that you know, obviously we don't know for certain why she did it, like what her intention was. Mm. But even the jumping in the jail piece. The fact that she felt so strongly about something and she was like, action, mm-hmm. we're going to go off and do things instead of just sitting around going, I'm like, excuse me, yeah, hi, can yeah. you please do this for him? <laughs> well, if you believe in something enough, you're going to do everything physically possible to make it happen, you know? As long as it's like positive and it's not actually hurting anyone. I mean, I can't speak for Emily right now, but <laughs> but yeah, like as long as it's impactful in a positive way and make great changes, make great strides, then guess you shouldn't be limited by what other people say about anything to be honest with you so mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm glad that she did what she did whether it was intentional or not but it definitely made a difference today Bless. 
I also said, like, I didn't really talk about it a lot because it made me angry. And I was like, if I start talking about this, <laughs> I'm going to start ranting. But the, you know, the reaction after it happened at the time, it wasn't great. No. You know, you had people being like, this is devastating and, you know, this is horrible. But you had a lot of people being like, just completely etch about it. And it didn't really help the cause, to be real, because I think it kind of made people, I don't want to say scared of them. But it kind of made them realize, like, they're a little crazy. <laughs> what did I say if earlier, willing, Tess? If they're willing to do this, <laughs> what? What did I say earlier? Crazy witches. Mm-hmm, literally. But, yeah, like, a lot of the newspaper articles especially mm-hmm. were just horrendous. And the fact that she got hate mail while in the hospital, trying not to die. <laughs> Didn't really it's, succeed in that department, unfortunately. Unfortunately. But just the fact that, like, people are so horrendous. And I guess... You know, we're in a more inclusive and, you know, forward-thinking mm-hmm. community and environment now. But just thinking of, like, if I was living in that era and, you know, you see a woman who was like, women's rights, and then gets killed and everyone goes, oh, good riddance. I feel like I would be like, all hope is lost. <laughs> this is it. I would we're just be like, <laughs> you know... It's true. It's it's very disheartening. Like, if we had a time machine, we went back to... I don't want to say go back to the, the derby when that happened, but, you know, if we were to go back in time and then everyone's just like, oh my god, she, she ruined the day. Mm-hmm. She died? Well, you know what serves you right. You should, you, you know, my bet went down the drain because of you. Well, I don't care about your bet, but I do care about my vote, and I vote that you're an idiot, so... <laughs> Such. I guess also we should keep in mind... Especially in countries where voting isn't compulsory. Um, being Australian, voting is compulsory. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I'm low-key happy that that is the case. But when you come from a place like the UK or the US where it isn't compulsory and it's something that, you know, people fought for for you to do, not just in the UK and not yeah. just women, you know, I feel like you should take on that privilege mm. of voting. Don't considering let it go people died to yeah. make sure you got the right to do it. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, you don't want those actions to go in vain. Those, like, potentially, like, great-great-grandparents who did their absolute best to make sure that we could have what we need to today to live a better life. Like they said in Mary Poppins, I'm going to refer. I was going to say. Our daughter's daughters. daughters. Sang song for you. <laughs> As I said, our daughter's daughters will adore us. And we do. Oh, yes. Appreciate. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, when it comes to voting, vote. Do the right thing. Don't. Just don't be annoying. I know about people it. go like, "Ugh, I have to vote," and it's like, "Yeah, but then they'll." And if they don't, they're low key the same people to be like, "Oh, look who won!" And it's like, "Yeah, but did you vote? Mm. If you didn't, no offense, you don't have a say if yeah. you didn't vote." They also say like, "Oh, um, if I don't, it wouldn't even matter. It won't even count." Um, yes, literally, it counts. It counts. But then the other problem is if like a million people thought that way. Yeah. Yeah, then that's when it matters. <laughs> Exactly. If you're if like you're sitting on your couch and you're like, Oh, I would love to vote for this party but I'm just not bothered or I don't care enough then you and, you know, one million other people are thinking the same thing and the party that mm. probably would have won by your votes now can't because you didn't bother to get up and go do it. Bless. So Also I feel like you guys need more of an incentive to vote because like in Australia it always happens on a Saturday, I think. Mm-hmm. And obviously it's compulsory, so, like, that's an incentive. <laughs> Go will be fine. But it always happens at either, like, you know, a primary school hall or a church hall. And there's always a sausage sizzle. Sausages Ooh. for days. Cupcakes. 
soft drinks, coffee. So like when it's time, like when we have to vote, I'm like, let's go get a sausage. <laughs> like you know you go to a hall you go to a primary school or you go to a church or something nearby go ahead be so nice and vote but they're like oh uh, what's your what's your name and your dress okay cool here here's your pencil okay thanks have a nice day that's literally it <laughs> there is no feast there is nothing yes. it's just go vote because for me personally i have to go to work the next day so i'm just like, i don't really have time for this especially if i've just come from work so i'm like oh vote okay bye bye yeah so yeah i understand people have things to do but also oh, i want a cupcake now Literally, it's the the one thing that makes me so happy about Australian democracy is like a democracy sausage every time I vote. <laughs> but then you also oh like God. the schools use it as a fundraiser, so you're also supporting local primary schools because obviously I don't know. Yeah, you have. Do you have to go to like your local place? Yeah. So it's the same. Like I'm going to a primary school that you know people in my area go to. I didn't go to personally. Maybe I did. But then I'm supporting the local primary schools. And I'm mm-hmm. supporting the lo- local churches and everything. So it's like a day of like. We're voting, yes. <laughs> Support everyone and eat sausages. <laughs> I miss that so much. But like, also, I know I'm talking a lot about voting now. We'll wrap it up soon. But the fact that, like, in America, I don't know if it's the same here. I think as well that you can vote on a weekday. Yeah. And it's like you're making it so difficult for people to vote. Why don't you put it on a Saturday or a Sunday? Because then, even if they do work, like, I don't know. Um, you know, we we can go in and vote in person early, or you can mail it in. Mm-hmm. But on the day, it's like open from seven a.m. till like seven p.m. I think. Mm-hmm. And so you know, you have the whole Saturday to go in and do it. And I just feel like it's more accessible as well. Loki has to though when you're making people do it. So I understand that too. Mm-hmm. But I really think you guys should invest in a democracy sausage fest. Um, <laughs> whoa! <That's>... <laughs> oh no! <laughs> It took me a second. It was only until you reacted. I was like, what did she say? Oh, no. What did she say? <laughs> I meant a sausage sizzle. Barbecue. Barbecue. Thank you. We call them a sausage sizzle. <laughs> oh, my God. But hey, if you don't want a sausage, cupcakes. Oh, that's true. Because, like, they People always People bring do- cakes. Like, homemade cakes. So nice. Anyway, okay. <laughs> Talking so much about voting and sausages. <laughs> Now I want cupcakes. I'm going to go back to Asda in a second. Oh, okay, cupcakes. <laughs> anyway, so that was on this day, 4th of June. We've learned a lot. We've talked a bit. I don't know. <laughs> talked a bit of nonsense about Mary Poppins. <laughs> sausages. Voting. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed. Low-key sorry about this. <laughs> These are getting weirder and weirder. Anyway, thanks for listening. I've been Tess. And I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> That was perfect. I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. <laughs> I couldn't resist. <laughs> that was so good. Oh no. Oh my god. <clears throat> I'm also Steph. We've been Steph, Tess, and Mary Poppins. We've also been stunning. So thank you for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.